going to the book of Daniel, chapter number one, I want to just kind of read into this, move into it quickly um, for you to understand that this is where children of Israel are taken into Babylonian captivity after Babylon sieges Jerusalem. In verse 3, it said that the king spake unto Ashpen as the master of his eunuchs that he should bring certain of the children of Israel of the king's seed and of the princes. This is very powerful right here. Children in whom was no blemish, but they were well favored. They were skillful in wisdom. They were cunning in knowledge. They understood science. They had the ability to stand in the king's palace. This means these weren't slouches. These weren't bottom crust. These were the elite people that were very wise. They were able to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. They bring them from Jerusalem into Babylon. Very smart people. They said, we want to take the knowledge that you have and we want to do a transformative work. You're the smart people. That you have the capacity to learn. But we want to learn you in something a little bit different. We want to train you in the learning of the Babylonians. We want you to understand that there is something different. So they began to move them in a direction. The king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat. Now understand, the same thing that was at the king's table, this is what they get. He brings them to his table, wines them and dines them. I want you to have what I have, the wine that I drink, nourishing them for three years that at the end they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, and he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. Changing identity. Because the enemy is never just satisfied to touch your appetite. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank therefore he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself and the prince of the eunuchs said you, you don't understand if we don't take care of you everybody's going to look at you and they're going to be upset when you look emaciated and broke down like you're all tore up from the floor up and it's going to look like the king has punished you he said, no, I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want you to give us pulse and water. And the scripture said that these men, at the end of 10 days, in verse 15, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. All of the children. Who are the children? Children of Israel. So he took away the portion of their meat and wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. I want to talk to you today about what 
you cannot learn at the king's table. What you cannot learn at the king's table. And you may be seated. If I had the time today, I would love to spend some time rightly dividing for you some of the principles and power that is released in the understanding of what happens in the mindset of one in captivity. <clears throat> now, we can quickly read through these stories and just write them off and talk about how powerful it is that these men took a stand for the Lord. And because they stood for the Lord, the Lord stood for them, and that was it. It's easy for us to dance and shout when we come in on Sunday night and pastor gets it cranked up talking about the fourth man in the fiery furnace. It's one of my favorite. I'm telling you, I love to preach about it. I love to preach about it. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. They would not bow. They would not bend. When the music played, everybody else bowing down, they would not bow. So they turned the furnace up. That's all right, devil. Turn the furnace up. You can, you can preach the pants off of it. And they walk into the fiery furnace. They said, who did we throw in there? How many were in there? Oh, we threw three in there. No, you couldn't have thrown three. We see a fourth one. This is powerful preaching. The fourth is likened to the Son of Man. Oh, what have we done? What have we released? What's happened? And it was so hot that the man looking into the furnace is scorched and burned to pieces. What a powerful scripture. Do you know why this happened? Because somebody was willing to take a stand when everybody else sat down. It's one thing to rejoice over the goodness of the Lord in somebody else's life. But whatever you do, don't let yourself become jealous over their rejoicing. Because you don't know like they know what the Lord has done for them. You don't know where they've been. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know what they struggled with. You don't know what kind of fire they've been in. You can stand back and judge somebody. I'm about sick of them getting blessed. I'm tired of pastors shaking their hand every time they walk by. I'm really tired of seeing those people get the hand of the Lord on them. You don't know like I know what the Lord has done for me. Can I tell you right now, I'm standing before you and I realize that in my flesh there is no good thing. If it was because of my goodness, I would have been dead and gone a long time ago. But God in his infinite wisdom and his power and his mercy, he he saw fit to make a way for me where there was no other way and that's why I'm here today I'm not here because I'm special I'm not here because I'm pastor's pet I'm here because he's good I'm here today because I've been through some stuff but that's the point I came through it That's a magic word that unlocks the key. It's the key that unlocks. I'm telling you, that's it right there. Well, they act like what they've been through. Ain't nobody else been through. The problem is you're still stuck in yours and they came through it. These men, all, that, all they had to do, all Daniel had to do was go into that, into that lion's den and just say, oh, why me, God? All I've done was stood for you. All I've done has been true to you. All I've done, Lord, is just love you and 
I took a stand and now you're going to let me walk into this lion's den. Oh, this is it. I'm getting ready to be a small buffet serving for all of these lions. And oh my word, can we forevermore turn it on? God, I gave my tithe and my offering. And now I'm having a bad financial month. Where are you at now, God? Well, he wasn't there when you were swiping that credit card. Now, I want to I tell you something today. If I could just take about three minutes right here. I, I need to work this in and help somebody understand. I think there is a sore injustice done in the lives of people when we tell them how to receive the blessing of God. That if you want God to bless your finances, you give him your first fruit, first 10%. You give that to God. You obey him giving your offering. You're not robbing God. You give it to God. Malachi said that if you do this, that God will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing for you that you're not able to contain. But there is a slight injustice that's done when we tell people how to be blessed, but not how to manage blessing. So people go from having no money to putting God first, then God blesses them, and they blow the blessing. You know, the children of God should be the wealthiest people in the world. But the reason that we're not, you know why rich people are rich? Because they keep some of it. Boy, that was deep, wasn't it? I know y'all are expecting something right there to just blow your mind. You can't, you can't, be, you can't be frivolous with your spending and riotous with your living and end up anywhere but a pig pen. It's the Luke 15 principle. So when God blesses us, he does not just bless us for us to say, yeah, God gave me a blessing, but I don't have anything to show for it. It's amazing what happens in somebody's life to not only be able to say, I am blessed, but the reason that I'm blessed is because I'm not stingy. And God continues to bless me because I continue to bless. I don't give to get. But I give to get that I can give again. I want to tell you that Daniel did not stand for the Lord for the first time when they put him in the lion's den. It was a progressive thing that happened in his life. There were a lot of things that Daniel learned at the king's table. He was learned in the knowledge and the language of the Chaldeans. There's some interesting things that I could talk to you about. You know, this time of year especially is very interesting because everybody's convinced that on December the 25th that shepherds were keeping their flock in the middle of the winter in Israel and that they were doing this with snow on the ground and that Mary had a baby 25 degrees outside. It didn't happen that way. And what's crazy about that is they'll also paint that same picture with a baby in a manger in the middle of December, wrapped in swaddling clothes, and three wise men standing there with him. Those wise men weren't there the night he was born. Jesus was at least three years old by the time the wise men finally got there. You know where they came from? In the east. Guess who had control? In the east, of all of the wise men, the magi, what they were called, the wise men, the magicians. Guess who spoke into the magicians? How'd they know what star to look for? How'd they know where to go? How'd the astronomers know what to do? The Bible said that Daniel, while in Babylon, 
He was given authority over the Magi, over the wise men in the land of Babylon. Do you know why they knew which direction to look and what star to look for? Because way before the answer even came, Daniel said, Boys, I want to tell you a little something about me that I didn't learn at the king's table. I learned this when I was a boy. There's a Messiah that's coming. And I know that you're not of my bloodline, but I want you to be aware of something. When this Messiah comes, it's going to change the course of destiny for the entire world. I want you to start looking towards Jerusalem. I want you to start looking towards Bethlehem. Oh, my, my, my. God puts people in interesting places at just the right juncture in time. And he knows how to interweave and pull things together and make it happen. I want to tell you folks something right now. I don't mind coming together with my family and having turkey and all that stuff. But I'm telling you right now, the stuff that people have made Christmas, it's absolutely confusing to God. It's got to be confusing to God. It is one of the most wonderful times of the year. But it's not the most wonderful time of the year because of mistletoe and holly. I'm telling you right now, I don't believe, I never have. I don't believe that he was born on December 25th. But I'm telling you folks something today. I'm sure glad he came. I said, I'm super glad he came. I'm glad that while I was yet a sinner, he died for me. I'm glad that he didn't wait for me to get all fixed up and prettied up and fixed out right before he came. I'm glad he came. He didn't show up coming down my chimney. <laughs> oh, it's so funny to me. I, I, I'm just, I'm fixing to get off my soapbox, but hang with me just a second. It's so funny. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Satan, Santa Claus is coming to town. Man, your kids will straighten up. You tell people Santa Claus is coming, man, they start acting good because they want gifts. You tell them Jesus is coming, they don't care. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm preaching Christmas before Thanksgiving. That's all right. Why are you doing that, Pastor? Because there's some things you can't wait till you get to Babylon to learn. We don't rejoice in the gods of this world. We don't rejoice in the idolatry of Babylon. We rejoice in the God of our salvation. We rejoice in the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundation of the world. That's what we rejoice in. So what are you going to do on Christmas? I'm, I'm about to eat. I'm going to I'm gonna eat. I'm going to eat turkey. I'm going to eat dressing. I'm going to eat whatever they fix, a bunch of it too. And when I get full, I'm going to eat again. And we're going to open up gifts and we're going to act fun. We're going to have a really good time. But I'm telling you right now, we're not going to be able to wait until the end time when everything comes crashing down and then start deciding that we're not going to be roaming and we're not going to be touched. No, no, no. You're going to have to decide today before you ever sit down at the king's table what it is that affects you, who it is you want to identify with. We are the children of the living God. We have been bought with a price and we are not our own. So they bring them to the table and they start teaching them. Man, we want you to learn this. We want you to learn that. We want you to understand our culture. We want you to understand our culture. I, I, I was talking to somebody in the office this morning on the phone as I came in with a pastor friend of mine. He was asking me what, it, what I was preaching today, and I think he probably regretted it about 10 minutes in. 
I said, brother, if I could break it down for you, really simple, let me just say it like this. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckoned me from heaven's open door. He said, what, 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 what do you... What, what do you mean? I said, here's what I mean. Daniel could not help the fact that he was in Babylon. He could not help the fact that he was at the king's table. But he could choose what happened to him while he was there and how he responded while he was there. I can't help it that I was born in this world. I can't help it that I was born in sin and shaping in iniquity. I can't help it that we dine at the table of the world. But what I can do is right now refuse to defile myself with the king's meat. So let's go. Let's just go on a journey. Everybody all right? You doing good? You don't want me to close yet, do you? Are you that hungry? I want you to go on a little journey with me. You got a bunch of, you got a bunch of coast kids coming out of Jerusalem. Been through a lot. Babylon kind of made a mockery out of them when they came in and destroyed them. You know how hard it would be, sincerely, to wake up one morning, your mother and father come into your room, say, "Babe, we got to move." Wait, what? What do you mean we got to move them? Take you to the front door. You look out across the meadow. And there you see the city that you love. Flames. Blood laying in the street. Your parents say, baby, we got to get out of here. Where are we going? Well, it's a mandate now. We have to go to Babylon. But... Daddy, we're not, we're, 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 not, we're not Babylonians. No, son, you're, you're not a Babylonian, but don't ever forget that. You may be in Babylon, but you're not a Babylonian. You're a Hebrew. Oh, my Lord, I'm already there. Don't, don't, don't ever forget, son, when you get there, who you are. And as they start their way out, they come grab a hold of his mama and say, Mama's going with us because we got some things we need to teach her. A few more steps as they make their way out and they come and grab the boy and they say, Forsake your father, you're coming with us. You won't see your father and your mother anymore. We're taking you to the king's palace. Ooh, my baby got picked to go to the king's palace. I want to tell you right now, they didn't feel that way. They were not honored that the king saw something in their children. Oh, Lord. That, that, was, that, was, that was free. Well, that coach says, my kid's the best player on the team. What do you think he's going to say? You don't think he's going to pad you up so that you'll keep your kid out there and pads and let him get their brains knocked out? Oh, we can't do it without your kid. Take them off the team and see if they still play next week. They can make it without you. And as Daniel walks away, I know this is not recorded. I'm just saying my, my, my imagination's a little vivid sometimes. And as Daniel walks away and he sees his parents leaving, I can just hear his daddy say. I can just hear it, Brother Lang. Shema Yisrael! Adonai Eloheinu! Adonai Akkad! 
Shema Yisrael. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Akkad. Oh, Daddy, where am I going? It don't matter where you go, son. Just don't forget who you are. Daddy, they're taking me somewhere. I don't know where I'm going. Son, you may end up at the king's table. But remember, he's not your king. So they bring Daniel, these four men. They bring, they, they bring these four men together, the three Hebrew boys and Daniel. They bring them all together, and they bring many together. Read, you read it this morning. They brought many of them together, many of them they brought in. The brightest, the most intelligent, the most powerful. It's incredible to me how that our kids, they get a, they, 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 they get a target on them because they have kingdom gifts to offer, and we're so proud of them at the target that's on them. doesn't matter how bright they are the moment they defile themselves with king's meat I don't know what it felt like but that very first meal that they sat down and I'm sure they were weary from the journey somewhat they bring all these Hebrew kids in they line them up at the table and my imagination just starts running I've never ate with a king, but I've seen what the kings eat. And I'm telling you folks, I've got to believe with all my heart that one of the first things that passed the nostrils of those Hebrew kids was a bacon-wrapped filet mignon. Mishael looks over at Azariah and says, What is that? He says, mm, I don't know, but it smells like heaven. <laughs> that don't smell like brisket. It smells like pork. Something else I ain't never had. Those first few meals were kind of difficult. You begin to pass in front of the Hebrew children. All of them sitting around the table. We don't know how many. There's only four of them that are really called out, but there was a bunch of them there. Begins to pass by them, and here comes the cheeseburger, and they're seating a kid in its mother's milk. All of a sudden, one of them leans over to the other one and says, You know what? We can't help it that we're here, and God knows we're just doing our best. So I'm thinking, that bacon-wrapped filet. Never had it. But today is the day. He reaches out and he gets that pork-wrapped piece of beef. And there's a familiar flavor on his tongue. Something similar to what he's tasted before. But then there's something that's just a little bit different. Oh, see, some of y'all are already with me. There's something about this movement that's strangely familiar to me. But it tastes a little more rich. Mm. It's like I can taste the juice of what it's supposed to be. 
But I also see what my mom and dad have kept me from. And I'm a little bit frustrated they kept this from me. My mom and dad should have known that I would have enjoyed this. You don't think they want to? I think it's a shame that the king of Babylon wants me to be happy, but my mom and dad don't. Woo! I'm having a hard time staying in my skin, Brother Jordan. I think it's, I think it's crazy that our people want us to be separated. But this makes me feel so happy. I'm telling you right now that you can give your kids just enough a taste of the world. You don't have to take everything familiar from them. But give them just enough of the taste of the world. And the next thing you know, they're going to forget Hebrew and begin to speak the Chaldean language. You don't learn abstinence at the king's table. You learn it at home with your mother and your father. You don't learn how to abstain from the king's meat when you get to the king's table. You've got a purpose in your heart while you're walking away from mother and daddy. And you don't have a choice where you are. Shema Yisrael. There is only one God. Hear it, son. Don't forget who you are. And when you sit down at the king's table, don't defile yourself. I don't want my kids to miss out on what? Can I, get, can I just be real with you right now? I'm thankful my mom and dad told me fornication was wrong. It doesn't mean fornication didn't present itself. You understand what I'm saying? My daddy, my daddy used to preach this message. I don't know why. It's one of those... That he preached on the road that always stuck out in my mind. He used to preach this message about sin not telling the whole story. And he used, he used back then, I, I haven't seen one in many, many years. But he used the, the billboard. How many of you that were 80s, at least, 80s people, remember the Marlboro Man, the cowboy, along every interstate? You remember that? Come on now. I'm talking about just look like Mac Daddy. Sitting up, sitting up there and looking across the distance, got it hanging out of his mouth. You know, like, like, man, that dude's from Hollywood. He ain't never rode a horse in his life. He's a chump. Put him on a bull, it'll break his neck. Man, he's got, he's got the look. You know, he's got that belt buckle showing. They, they rub dirt on his Wranglers, and he's like, I ain't never seen a cowboy pose like that. I guarantee you, you take that revolver off that sucker's hip, there ain't a single bullet in it. He's a Barney Fife wannabe. <laughs> Sorry. There was a rabbit trail and I had to take it. <laughs> My dad used to preach. He said, they'll show you the Marlboro man. Man, he'd get, man, I, I remember sinners crying. It was white knuckle preaching. Man, when my dad would preach, it was, it was white knuckle preaching. Anybody know what that is anymore? People holding on the back of the seat. My dad would get to preaching. They may show you the Marlboro man on the sign. You may drive by and it may look appealing. But what they don't show you is the man sitting in a hospital room. Can't catch his breath because he's got lung cancer. 
got a tube hanging out of his throat because he can't breathe on his own. Man, he'd preach it, telling the whole story. But I want to tell you something, kids. You don't make up in your mind that Marlboro's not going to defile you when they hand you the cigarette. You don't wait until that girl starts undressing and kissing you and telling you sweet things to decide you're going to stay pure before the Lord. You don't learn that at the king's table. You learn that in the house of God before the world ever comes calling. You take some things off of the table. It may be on their table, but I'm not defiling myself with that. It's a little tight in here on Sunday morning. Heard it said, the worst time in the world to decide to anoint your shield is in the middle of a battle. That shield that they carried was not a metal shield. It was a shield with leather wrapping a frame. And the only way to keep it powerful, to resist the fiery darts of the wicked, was to keep it anointed. But you don't anoint your shield when the arrows are flying. You anoint your shield while you're at rest. Woo! You anoint that shield. The Spartans, the Spartans felt so strongly about their shield. They said, if you don't come back with your shield, then be brought back on it. But whatever you do, don't throw it to the side. They taught them Spartan kids, if you're going to fight, you're always going to have a shield. What good is it for us to teach our kids to have the shield of faith? But every dripping anointed word that would anoint their shield, we say, that may be what pastor preaches for somebody else, but we don't have to have that in this house. That, that, what, 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 what pastor was saying now, but I'm man enough of this house to tell you, we don't need that kind of preaching in this house. They may not need it right now, but you wait until Babylon comes and picks them up and starts carrying them off. You're going to wish that shield was anointed. I, I was just thinking this weekend, I, I don't want to embarrass anybody. I was thinking this weekend because I, I knew that Courtney's family was here and I was thinking of this poor brother that has all these girls in his house like I do. Like, oh, my God. And, brother, I got to thinking, I got three girls. And my oldest is 15. She says it's not going to happen, Brother Diaz. She's a liar. <laughs> she says, Daddy, I'm going to stay home. I'm going to go, go to college close and stay home. I'm telling you, the first ugly hairy-legged rascal that comes to me. I got a text message this week from this kid wanting to know if he could go out with Jocelyn. His dad sent, sent me this video of him asking if he could go out with Jocelyn, and I said, I have a lot of guns and nice ammo. I'm just telling you. Period. People say, yeah, but you like me, don't you? I say, yeah, I like your kids, but I'll shoot a kid I like as much as one I don't like. Better leave my kids alone. Them bullets don't have zip codes, names or nothing. They'll work on anybody. Sorry. Another rabbit trail. I, I, I got to thinking about when your babies move off, man. You know, they, 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 they move off and they, they got to make some decisions that you can't make for them. And I thought, that whole family's here today because Courtney decided, I want to go to church. My parents put something in me that said, 
You're not of this world. You need to find somewhere that you can go that'll be a blessing to your life. And that you can thank God for parents that'll teach their children what they cannot learn at the king's table. My Lord. I'm running late. I got got to hurry up. I got to hurry. Yesterday. I don't, have, I don't have time to read it. I was, I was going to kind of read bits and pieces of it. Sister Sarah shared a, a thing yesterday. I think it was yesterday about the schooling. Wasn't that yesterday you shared? And this guy, what I understood, he wrote this article. He was an a, 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 a educator. And began to talk about all these lame brain people that are wanting to take their kids out of public education right now. I, re- I read an article this week that said homeschool is skyrocketing right now because people are scared to death of public education. I don't know if anybody else read that. It's pretty, pretty crazy. And this guy said, essentially, I'm not quoting him verbatim, but I've got witnesses here. He basically says, when are you idiots going to realize that parents do not have the final say in their kids' lives? He said, we are, we are trying to raise your kids to understand that this world is diverse. And he said, you are so closed-minded. Am I telling the truth? Anybody else read it? He said, he said, don't you, don't you think for one moment, he said, that's all right, just stay with your archaic ideas. My ideas are pretty old. They're about 6,000 years old to be exact. My ideas are that tell your children when they rise up, tell them when they go about their way, tell them when they lay down at night, you You get down in their ear and you tell them there's only one God and you are to love him with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. Brother St. Clair, are you archaic? If that's what archaic is, then that's what I am. I don't want my kids learning lessons at the king's table. I'm, I'm, I'm quickly hurrying. I just want to tell you right now, David didn't develop a prayer life in Babylon. I, I wish I, I really do wish I had time to talk to you about this. There's a reason David prayed three, or Daniel prayed three times a day. And I don't, I don't have time to go into this. But I'm essentially saying to you the same thing that I've been trying to get to you. Daniel didn't just pray once a day, prayed three times a day because that's what he learned at home. That was the time of day. That they were to pray. He prayed three times every day. But if you think that Daniel developed that prayer life while he was in Babylon, you are sadly mistaken. Daniel was not praying for deliverance. He was praying because of God's goodness. Daniel was not praying because he was in Babylon. He was praying in spite of the fact that he was in Babylon. I'm trying to get it in somebody's heart right now that David was not bash. Daniel was not bashful. He was not shy about it. He walked up into that room and said, this is what my daddy taught me. And he kicked the window open and he got down in front of that window and he began to pray. You know what? I believe he prayed in the morning. I believe as the sun was coming up, first thing in the morning, I believe that he began to pray. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Why? Because it's a daily reminder. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I may be in Babylon, but I'm not from Babylon, and I may die here, but I'll wake up in glory. 
Even atheists have doctrine. Your children are going to develop a doctrine. But don't let them learn their doctrine at the king's table. I, uh, I come from a very precious conservative apostolic background, which I'm grateful for. But I want to tell you something today, church. I don't do everything that I do and not do everything that I don't do because I'm afraid it's going to send me to hell. I'm tired of everybody making my love for Jesus a heaven or hell issue. You understand what I'm saying? I was watching this rabbi the other day. He was so sincere. It just showed up in my feed. I didn't go hunting it out. It was like... I think the Lord just wanted me to see it because it's right where my heart is. The question was asked to him. He said, why, why do so many Jews resist Christianity? And folks, listen to this. I want you to listen to the power of this. I'm not justifying anything for anybody, but I want you to listen to the power of this. He said, because for 6,000 years, we've had 613 reasons to serve God. He said, God gave us the law, 613 reasons as to why we should serve God. The Lord and how we can serve the Lord. He said, but about 2,000 years ago, doctrines began to develop that is no longer about serving God, but Christianity is about God serving you. He said, that's what we're denying. We're not denying the faith of the people. He said, we're denying the fact that God created us to serve Him, but now all of a sudden He's going to serve us. He said, we're denying the idea in religion that you go to your church to be served every week. He said, God created us to serve him. And I don't just serve him because I'm Jewish. He said, I serve him because it's my good pleasure to serve him. I want to tell you this morning, church family, I'm thankful for the blessings of God in my life. But that's not why I serve him. I serve him because he is good. I serve him because he created me in his image and he formed me after his likeness. This is something that I cannot learn at the king's table. I've got to make up in my heart right now that every time the church doors are open, our family's going to be in the house of God. If it's Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night prayer meeting, I don't want my kids learning their doctrines at the king's table. Let's stand together I'm never going to get where I'm going today Music can come You don't decide to give God your all When you feel called into ministry You give God your all Before you're called to ministry The test of David was not when he took his first seat over Judah at probably somewhere around 32, 33 years old, somewhere in the neighborhood of 30, that he finally sits down on the first throne, and it's only over Judah. It's not over all of Israel. That wasn't the test. David was not tested while the oil was dripping off of his nose and his chin and soaking his garment. Do you know that that oil had to run over some dust and some dirt that he picked up in the field while he was just being obedient to his father? 
I see people talking about this heavy anointing they're carrying around, but I'd be curious to know what's under their oil. Probably isn't any sheep dung. But David didn't dance for the first time on marble floors. <laughs> he danced in the field when nobody was looking. Because he didn't learn to dance at the king's table. He learned to dance in the presence of the king of kings. And the Lord of lords. Repentance is an issue that needs to be dealt with in the modern church. Because we made it a prayer. But if I could be so bold today, I want to tell you that confession and repentance, as is presented to modern Christianity, is a doctrine that's been learned at the king's table. True repentance is very different to the doctrines that have been taught to us. If you just confess Jesus with your mouth and believe in your heart, then you're going to be saved. issue with modern confession is that you may confess that you're a sinner, but if you walk out and you're still a sinner, why'd you confess? We don't need more confession. We need more conversion. We need our hearts to be turned towards a God that did not just come to serve us, but for us to serve Him. I know that's a, isn't that a foreign idea? But you can tell the Spirit is very prevalent because as soon as you start living a different kind of life. People say, oh, so you think I'm going to go to hell if I don't do that? No, you missed it. I'm not, I'm not just doing this to keep me from hell. I love him. I, I said I love him. And I learned how much I loved him when I got down on my knees and said, Lord, my life is full of sin. But I'm asking you to change me. Don't just forgive me, God. Change me. Turn me inside out. Turn me upside down. Empty me out. I want to decrease that you might increase. If you're here today and desire to repent of your sin, I want to welcome you. These altars are open right now. And after you've repented of those sins, you can be baptized in the precious name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins completely washed away completely gone in the name of Jesus Christ and the Bible said that he will fill you with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost today if you're here and you feel a little distant from God I want to tell you that his arms are wide open here he's looking for somebody that will step out by faith and say Father I want to serve you today I want to love you with all my heart I want to give you everything I have today Lord